Good morning. morning. Trying to find my place. I am not perfect. Let me repeat. I am not perfect. There you go. (laughs) I like to share a uh, something I came across. It's called a spoken word poem by Mike Tabor. That's what it says. Let me start by saying I believe mothers should be respected, loved, honored, and cherished. Most certainly, they should be protected. Webster Dictionary tells us that a mother is a female parent, one who gives birth. But for those of us with a good mom, we know her even greater worth. She was the one who was always there knowing just the right time to say yes Though hated then, we see now that even her nose were meant for our best. In times of hurt, her words captivated our hearts, working what some would call her mommy magic. We see now that it was this grace and love as she helped us through times so tragic. But before we get swept away in a world of fairy tales and myths, we give pause realizing that Mother's Day for all is not a, joy, not a day of joy and bliss. For some people, the thought of Mother's Day causes them to mourn. For this is, one of the great, this is a day of great pain and suffering. A day where the heart is torn, divorced, abused, abandoned. Words that have left many moms feeling alone as they never settled into their role trying instead to protect the children in their home. And what about the pain endured by those who can never have a baby, leading them to believe that God's love is at best a baby? For all you young ladies who long for the great treasure of a new birth, may I speak life into your heart. Is your heart not your womb that is the measure of your true worth? The emptiness you feel right now because there's no life in your room, can only be filled with the gospel, not a child, a job, or even a faithful, loving groom. And others of you may be struggling from the fact that you brought into the world's distortion. The pain you feel today is rooted in yesterday's abortion. Before we go any further, allow me to speak life where death reigned once. Jesus' blood is sufficient to cleanse even the darkest sin stain and to heal the deepest soul's pain. Draw from the past, but don't live there, for to do so your heart will turn to stone. But look to the love of Jesus, a love that on an old rugged cross where the world was shown. On that cross, Jesus commissioned his earthly mom with a very exciting task. One that would change her world and another's. What is it, you ask? When he said, Behold your son, Mary. He spoke concerning the disciple for whom he had a special love and adoption at a funeral. Something so beautiful it could have only been written from above. For all the moms who gained the status, not in the hospital, but rather in a court of law, we praise God that through adoption you too answered the motherhood call. And finally, for those whose moms are no longer on this earth. We pray that today we'll find you cherishing the moments and mothers given to you by God.
Moms, we stand in your honor today. We thank you for all that you have done. May you continue to mom well until you can no longer see the sun, S-U-N, the ball of fire in the sky. But may the sun, S-O-N, reignite your passion. May you pass it on before you die. May all the hurts, the joys, and the pains of your story just not be simply wasted, but may they from your memory be cut and in your children's heart be pasted. Happy Mother's Days, moms. We truly value your tendencies and, yes, even your little quirks. But most of all, we thank you for modeling us for us the truth that love truly works. Once again, that's not my own. That is written by a gentleman named Mike Tabor. If you want a copy of that, see me after service. I'll gladly get you a copy. Kind of sums up what I like to say on Mother's Day. You know, mothers, being a mom is one of the most important roles on this earth. Here's some quotes. The first one is by President George Washington. He said, quote, All that I am, I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in this life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her, end of quote. Here's another one by President Abraham Lincoln. He said, quote, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. All that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother, end of quote. And here's a guy perhaps you've heard of, the great preacher himself, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He said, quote, I cannot begin to tell you how much I owe to the solemn word of my good mother. All the books of the world cannot contain her godly influence upon me, end of quote. Over the years, the last decades or two especially, we have heard calls for the men in this country to go back to being fathers to their children. However, we must not never forget the need for mothers to be mothers is just as great. There is nothing more important to the future of this country. There's nothing more important to the future of the church than godly parents doing what God has called them to do. In our text today, I believe we see a model of motherhood. Grant you, it doesn't say what she prayed, and perhaps you don't know who she is, but we'll find out. Because Jochebed is the mother of Moses. Moses, under the inspiration and guidance of the Holy Spirit, wrote the book of Exodus. And in chapter 2, he's given us an account of his birth and the account of his praying mother. As we read, or as we've read this text, although it doesn't say specifically that she prayed, I can imagine all along the way his mother was praying, Lord, watch over my baby boy. Look at verse 1. A man from the house or tribe of Levi married a daughter of Levi. Now, at first glance, this seems to be incidental, minor information. However, this does much more. It demonstrates that Moses was a chosen child for the, from the only proper tribe for his future calling, fully in compliance with the law, 
the law which the Lord had not yet revealed to Israel, but would reveal it during Moses' lifetime. You see, Moses is pre-qualified for the service God later gave him. After all, we see the Levites, during Moses' lifetime, become the, quote, clergy, unquote, tribe to the rest of Israel. In verse 2, the woman conceived and bore or gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. Now, perhaps a better translation of that verse would go like this. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Longing to have and keep him, she hid him for three months. Now, there's no suggestion here that Jochebed cared more for her baby than any other mother. That's not suggesting that not any other mother was hiding their children or doing the same thing. It's only stating that Moses is crediting his mother for what any responsible, caring mother would have done. Loving her baby and trying to keep him or her alive. But why is it she had to hide him for three months? Well, this story takes place in a much bigger story. You see, the Israelites have been in Egypt for a long time. If you look back in Genesis, Joseph goes up there because of a famine. His brothers had thrown him into the pit, had come up there, and they're all going out to get food. It's a long story. You need to go back and read Genesis. But here's a snapshot. So they've been there for a long time, and they began to multiply and grow in number. And as they did that, Pharaoh was getting just a little nervous. He was afraid they'd become too powerful. So Pharaoh had an idea. Let's enslave them. And they became sleeves, sleeves, sorry, slaves to the Egyptians. See, I'm not perfect. I mess up even when I talk. However, the Israelites were still having babies and growing in number in spite of being slaves. So Pharaoh came up with another idea. He gave an order that every baby boy born to the Hebrews was to be thrown into the Nile River. And that is why Jochebed hid Moses away for three months. They were taking their baby boys and casting them into the river where, of course, the babies would drown, be killed. And everyone in here, not just mothers, but also fathers. Can you imagine someone taking your baby away from you, prying them out of your hands, and throwing them into a river? only to watch them die. Verse 3. When she could hide him no longer. Let's stop right there for a second. Think about this. A newborn baby, small enough to be easily hidden at home. They don't move around too much, and usually they can be kept from crying by nursing them or rocking them. But as baby Moses began to grow, it became more difficult to hide him from the prying eyes and the ears of the Egyptians. Now, the text does not say this, all right? But I can imagine Jochebed in her mind, in her heart, praying, Lord, I can't hide my baby boy anymore. Help me. I don't want to lose him. Put yourself in her shoes. We see that in verse 3 going on that she 
got him a wicker basket and covered it with tar and pitch. And she put the child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. I don't elaborate this too much, but ladies, could you imagine taking your infant, putting him in a wicker basket, placing him in the river and hoping something would happen to the best of him? Now, why would she do such a thing? Remember, she's Hebrew. She'd been told and taught, perhaps from childhood, she had heard the story of Noah, how God saved Noah in the ark. And perhaps she thought that's the key, so she made him an ark and trust God that he would save him. She didn't know what was going to happen. You have to understand that we know the whole story, but in this moment she does not know the entire story. She's trusting God at this moment. She has no idea what is going to happen. Moms and dads, there are things are going to happen. Things are going to come, and you're going to have to trust God. Things are going to come that are completely out of your control. So you've got to do the best you can. Do whatever you can, but ultimately you have to trust God. There was a survey came out about a year, a year ago or so. It was a survey of mothers. And in that survey, 73% of all mothers feel totally inequipped and inadequate. Well, that's not true just for moms. That's true for dads. I remember when our first daughter was born, she spent the first three days of her life in neonatal intensive care. They took care of her. Thankfully, God took care of her and Long story short, they reel her up to the room. Tammy's in the room. I'm in the room. And they say, okay, here you go. And I remember thinking completely uh, lost, maybe, looking for the instruction book. What do I do now? This, that sense of heavy responsibility that now here's this little life, this baby now is trusting that we're going to take care of her. So it's a massive responsibility. Now, we know that we're never going to have a perfect contingency plan for every single issue that happens in the lives of our families. And this, when you think you have the perfect plan, boom, something happens that you didn't plan for. We have to learn to be thankful for those types of situations. Yes, I said it. We need to learn to be thankful. Why is that? Because those types of situations force us to rely on God. They force us to stop thinking we are masters of our own universe. These situations drive us to our knees exactly where we ought to be. The Apostle Paul had asked God three times to remove the thorn in his flesh, something that really bothered him. There's been lots of ink spilt upon what was the thorn. We never are told exactly what it is. People speculate But for three times he prayed, and in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, listen to what he says. And he has said to me, and God has said to him what he's talking about, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. It's okay not to have the old answers. It's okay to feel inadequate. And although it sounds like an oxymoron to the world, it is true because when I get on my knees and seek God, that's when I'm the smartest and the strongest.
because I'm relying on him and not my own ability or intellect. And that's what she was doing with Moses. Like I said, she did not know the end of the story. Now in verse 4, his sister stood at a distance to find out what happened to him. Now his sister's name was Miriam. Standing by the bank of the Nile, watching what's going to happen to her brother. The hardest thing to do is to wait, is it not? No doubt during this time, Jochebed prayed, Lord, please take care of my baby boy. She was waiting on a miracle for the Lord to do a miracle. In verses 5 through 10, we see God's plan in action. Pharaoh wanted to kill all the Hebrew infant boys by casting them into the Nile. However, God saves Moses by casting him onto the Nile River, and God brought Moses to Pharaoh's front door. Not only that, God had Moses raised in the house of Pharaoh, right under the Pharaoh's nose, and God had Moses' own mother nurse him. Exodus chapter 2, verse 8. When Pharaoh's daughter finds him, Pharaoh's daughter said to her, after, she said, let me go find someone to nurse you for him. What well, she says, go ahead. So the girl went out and called the child's mother. His mom was there. God provided all that was needed at that time. Now, verse 11, the story takes just a little different turn. It shifts a little bit. Because in that verse we read this, when Moses had grown up that he went out to his brethren or to visit his brethren. Now bear with me. We do not know how long Jochebed had Moses before she took him back to Pharaoh's daughter and she became his son like we read back in Exodus chapter 2. But bear with me because I like to bring another text in to bear some information. Acts chapter 7 verses 20 through 23. It states, it was at this time that Moses was born, he was lovely in the sight of God, and he was nurtured three months in his father's home. And after that, he had been set outside. Pharaoh's daughter took him away and nurtured him as her own son. Moses was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians. He was a man of power in words and deeds. But when he was approaching the age of 40, it entered his mind to visit his brethren the sons of Israel. This is something interesting. Now, the Bible never tells us specifically how Moses learned that he was Jewish. However, it does give us some clues. Now, remember, at three months old, he was taken in by Pharaoh's daughter. And I can tell you that Jewish history and faith in God was not taught in Pharaoh's home. But who was there? His mother was there nursing him. And at the age of 40, Moses sides with his people. In fact, in the great hall of faith, they call it Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 25. Look what it says about Moses. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Now, let's, let's, let's think this out. Faith comes by hearing. How did Moses learn that he was one of the Hebrews? How did he hear in order to have the faith that he would do those amazing things later in life? 
I can't prove this by silence, but I have a sneaky suspicion his mama had something to do with all that. It reminds us, and it should remind you, moms, that as parents, we have no idea how long we're going to have with our kids. It seems like yesterday that my daughters were in diapers. Now they're all grown up. And I learned every day that, you know, I can't slow time down or stop it. But it's obvious that Jochebed knew how to redeem the time she had with her son. By the way, did you notice that name never shows up in our text? When I put that out there on the internet, I was wondering people going, what's he doing? There's no Jochebed in the text. Who is that? You have to go to Exodus chapter 6 to find out who we're even talking about, what his mom's name was. And she's only mentioned twice in the entire Bible. His mama. Now, once again, I can't prove this by the text, but I think perhaps this is God's way of saying to us that motherhood is not some high-profile occupation where your face is plastered over TV and your day is filled with signing autographs. You will not get your own line of Nike shoes named after you. But never let that think or cause you to think that being a mother is not important. Society has always had a way of applauding the non-important, while at the same time diminishing the most important. For example, what's the most important to our society? Teachers or movie stars? Out of those two, who gets paid the most? And who always gets asked their opinions on everything? Who's more important, the soldier or the professional athlete? Who makes the most money? Who do you always see on the news being made much of? Do not let your lack of celebrity status ever lead you to believe that mothers are not important. Nothing is more important than the role of shaping the next generation And moms have more impact on that than anybody else. If you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to hear that. Mothers are important. I'm just wondering, I'm not going to raise your hands. I wonder how many people actually knew who Jochebed was until we went through this text. It's not a name you hear out there very much, is it? You always hear about Moses. You hear about the 12 plagues, you hear about the Israelites coming out of, out of slavery, but rarely do we hear his mom's name, and yet there she is behind the scenes. Let this story this morning, moms, encourage you. Your family might be facing a serious crisis, but God has a bigger plan. Pharaoh's plan was to kill Moses, but God had a bigger plan. Jochebed had no way of knowing exactly what God was going to do, but she trusted him. She knew him and knew his word, and she trusted him. Moms, teach your children. Teach them right from wrong, good from bad. Teach them how to make decisions that will honor and glorify God. They are your very own little disciples. And I want to encourage you, 
Perhaps you're an empty nester and all your kids have grown up. You can come here on a Wednesday night and have your own little set of little disciples who need a godly mother influence on their lives. I've seen it happen. With that said, I think every lady has been a part of Blast in the past and in the present and in the future. Although they may not act like it when they're eating and they're loud in the fellowship hall. But you are passing on something that this world doesn't understand and can never afford to pay for it. And that's faith in Christ. Teach them about God. Teach them about his son Jesus who came and died for our sins. Teach them not just by what you say, but by living out your life in light of the faith that you have. Moms are important. I would not be standing in front of you behind the pulpit, much less in the church, if it was not for my praying mother. You never met her. You don't know her yet. But one day you will. But because she prayed many, many nights that I'm here today. And I know this because she would tell me that. Just right to my face. You need to get back in. But now she's where we're all wanting to be. See, the most important things don't always get the most attention. Our society is driven by so many other things. But you are important. Moms, we need you. I need the loving and nurturing that you can give. And regardless of what the experts or so-called experts say in the world, it takes a mama and a daddy to raise a child. Tammy brings things to the table I don't, and I bring to the table things that she doesn't. They need that. So don't ever walk out of here and think just because your child's not some movie star, a great athlete, or anything, yeah, you are important. I love, did you catch what Spurgeon said about his mother? All the books cannot contain all that he's learned from her. Think about it. If you think about Jochebed for a second, look how many lives have been changed through the years and through the centuries simply because she trusted God. She doesn't get much credit for it, any credit at all, but look how many lives were changed. And here we are. In 21st century America, separated from time and culture, still talking about her to this day. We all know about his son. I mean, her son. We, we, I mean, how many people haven't heard of Moses? Well, let's go back to one of the last thing I said. Teach them about Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Do you have that information? Do you have that faith that you can pass on? Because you can't pass on what you don't have. That's number one. I invite you to come forward just a minute. And I'll introduce you to him. And I promise you, your life will never be the same.
Have you given your life to Christ, but you've wandered away? And now you feel him knocking on your heart, asking you to let him in. Number three, and probably, yeah, I would say probably the hardest thing to do. How about your children? Are they following God? Are they not? They're grown. That's up to them. But I know it weighs heavy on us as parents. Are you willing to pray, God, I'm trusting you? Here they are. Take them, Father. Be just like Jochebed in that moment when she put her baby in that basket and put it in the Nile. Lord, watch over my baby. Do you need to do that today? Or do you need to come and join this local body? Or you just need to come and pray or pray with each other as a family or go across the way? Please. Whatever God's leading you to do, please do it. Take advantage of this time you have now because I'm going to close with a statement. I'll say it once. I'll say it until I'm blue in the face. The most precious commodity that you all have and I have is not money. It's not possessions. It is time. Time. Because you only have so much of it. Five minutes have gone by. We can never get it back. Make most of the time. Or as Scripture would say, redeem the time. Make every moment count. Don't let nothing go unsaid or undone. Because one day, all this is going to come to a screeching halt. Jesus is going to descend. And there's only two places you can go, heaven or hell. And the only way you get to heaven is having a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. That's it. That's all that matters. If you do not have that, then you're headed to hell. That's not my words. That's the words of Scripture. So now it's invitation time. What do you say? What are you going to do? To do nothing is the same thing as saying no. I I challenge you. If not here when you get home, I challenge you. Redeem the time before it's everlasting too late. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the example that you've given us, many examples that you've given us in Scripture. I cannot fully fathom what Jochebed was thinking or how she must have felt, but I know her heart must have been heavy. But in light of everything else, Father, she trusted you. Father, help us to trust you like that. We don't know the the outcome or where everything's headed. May we trust you in the midst of the storm. That you will guide us and direct us through it. And Father, we know this to be true because as we look back on our lives, we can see time and time again you've done that very same. Many different circumstances. So Father, I pray now in this moment that your spirit will continue to move, that you give us the the strength, the boldness, and the courage to answer your call. 
I thank you for those within the sound of my voice, these precious souls that you've created. Father, continue to call them. Continue to call them to your side. We thank you for all things. But most of all, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, whose name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please?